When I was a little girl, I used to hear stories about my parents during the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King was a very powerful speaker. And my parents, who had never been Democrats per se, but were always very liberal, at least socially, like what this guy had to say. My mother was born in Sicily and grew up in Brooklyn. Her best friend was black. My father was a jazz musician who for most of his life was the only white guy in an all-black, all-African-American band. He lived in places like New Orleans. And prior to meeting and falling in love with my mom, he fell in love with an African-American woman who sang like Sarah Vaughn, he said. He was engaged to her, and she had been killed on the streets of the French Quarter by two white guys who claimed they didn't see her when they had hit her with their car. Witnesses, who were black, said that they chased her and mowed her down as if they were hunting after a wild animal. So my father and my mother were very interested in what Martin Luther King had to say. At that time, our country was changing. And in one of the ways it was changing was to try and integrate a very segregated South. We all remember a guy named George Wallace who ended up in a wheelchair. We remember the hoods of the KKK and the crosses burning on people's lawns. We remember people who sat down at lunch counters, how dare they, next to white people. We remember the signs, no colored or colored drinking fountain. Many of us remember movies back in the day like the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman where she finally was able to drink at a drinking fountain in her own town. Just a local drinking fountain as a black woman. Rosa Parks, the list goes on. But segregation hurt not just the South but our nation. And integrating was key for the future at that time. So that children that were white, of whites that felt that black people were their lesser than human counterparts in this country and in this society and in this world, that that just wasn't the way it was. Some people have questioned if John F. Kennedy lost his life as a result of that. I have to tell you, in addition to the story of my parents, my kids go to school and they're learning about history. They're learning about American history. And my kids were learning about Norman Rockwell. And they were learning about one of his famous pictures of a little girl named Ruby. Now let me tell you why this picture really influenced and touched upon not just my kids but my son. See, I'm a white girl. My daughter's white, my daughter's biological, but my son is adopted. My husband is very light-skinned, but he is of Indian descent. And our son was born in Pakistan. Looks much like my husband, but he has darker skin. He's brown. He's even been called African-American. 
And when he saw this picture, he came home and he told me about it. He was very excited. If you don't remember it, it, it's the picture of, of little Ruby. She's a little black girl going into school with white kids. And there are tomatoes being thrown at her. Norman Rockwell captures this in this very famous painting. My son wanted to know why were people throwing things at this little girl? Because she's around his age in the photo. He's in second grade. She was in first or second grade. And I explained to him it's because she's black. And my son said, I'm black. I said, well, you're not black. You're brown. He said, well, I'm brown, but I look like her. Are people going to throw things at me? Now, the reason I tell you all of this is because when I was looking through different news items today and stories for us to talk about in this third open phone hour that we do Monday through Friday, I thought I was back in time and that I was looking at a history book rather than today's news on May 16th, of May 16th. Yesterday, this news piece came out from Associated Press. But in, in May of 2016, here is the headline And this, I cannot make up. Desegregation order. Mississippi district must merge schools. Huh? Wait a minute. Didn't that happen? Didn't that happen like decades ago? Well, this is in Mississippi. Yes, it is in the deep south, which we know has its issues and its very ugly past with regard to race. And after 51 years of litigation, And three earlier plans. Ready for this? Three earlier. In other words, we have three failed plans to desegregate schools in a Mississippi Delta district. A federal judge says more work is still needed. Take a listen. Well, first of all, I I want you to hear what the judge had to say. U.S. District Judge Deborah Brown ruled just this past week on Friday that the town of Cleveland, Mississippi, are you ready for this, must merge its two high schools and two middle, middle schools, quote, The delay in desegregation has deprived generations of students of the constitutionality of a guaranteed right of an integrated education. This is a 96-page opinion this judge wrote. Quote, although no court order can right these wrongs, it is the duty of the district to ensure that not one more student suffers under this burden. Huh? Desegregating schools in 2016 in the state of Mississippi? I kid you not. Here are some residents of Cleveland, Mississippi, and the reaction to the integration ruling by this judge. Cleveland, Mississippi residents reacted to the federal court order finding the school system was unconstitutional under Brown versus Board of Education, a seminal case handed down by the Supreme Court six decades ago. Trazar Eatman, who graduated from historically black Eastside High School, is worried about the ruling. The racial tension... The whole segregation and all that stuff, it's just going to cause a lot of problems. In its 96-page opinion, the court said segregation deprived generations of students their constitutional rights to an integrated education. And, quote, the district had the duty to ensure not one more student suffers that burden. We caught up with the school board president. We're, and, we're speaking through our attorney. Thank you. Yeah, why, why won't you talk with us about this? Because it's an ongoing litigation. Ongoing litigation that has continued 50 years and shows little sign of ending. We received this press release from the school board attorney. 
The Board of Trustees does not agree with the court's decision and is investigating its options, including filing an appeal. So many people set in their traditions and what they like and what they're used to. And so to come in and change it is like, it'll be an uproar. Board members also requested the current enrollment plan stay the same during the appeal process. If the school board's request is successful, historically black DM Middle School and Eastside High School will be left in the same limbo as the last 50 years. Okay, and that, that clip was courtesy of CNN, by the way. Jamie Jacks, who's a lawyer for the district, said school members are meeting this week to discuss their option. And she said board members believe they proposed constitutional options to keep open both high schools. One local plan would have combined the middle, middle schools. This is what uh, Jamie Jacks wrote in a statement. The district's plans allowed for student and parent choice. If the board appeals, it would request that the existing open enrollment plan continue while the appeal is pending. Now, merging black and white schools was a common desegregation method that was back used back in the 1960s and 70s. And this opinion is a reminder that in some places, like Cleveland, Mississippi, desegregation lawsuits still go on. They've never ended. As a matter of fact, folks, as recently as 2014, are you ready for this? The U.S. Justice Department was still a party to 43 such suits in the state of Mississippi alone. What? A previous judge approved an open enrollment plan, but the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ordered a more thorough examination. Gary Orfield directs the Civil Rights Project at the University of California here in L.A. And he said that remedies like Brown's are unusual today. He said, quote, nobody could tell you with absolute certainty, but I do think this is somewhat uncommon. Now, this is what the order was. To, mer- to have the district merge Eastside High, all but one student there is black. In Cleveland High, 48% of the students are white, 45% are black. So that school is already integrated, okay? And similarly, the district must merge the D.M. Smith Middle School. All but two students are black. And the Margaret Green Junior High, 41 students are white, 54% are black. The student district entirely is 3,700 approximately in population. 29% of the students are white, 67% are black. Um, The remainder are Asian or Hispanic. The judge wrote, the court concludes that the continued operation of Eastside High and D.M. Smith, the single-race school, is a vestige of discrimination and that, therefore, a plan which allows such continued operation must be rejected. Let me explain a few things. Why can't we all just get along? We have seen historically why. When you exclude and don't include... More and more ignorance is bred because you have a lack of understanding of other people, cultures, races, religions. One, two. It's a breeding ground for racism. It's a breeding ground. Look what happens when we have a bunch of white people in the inner city who are dressed in uniforms making decisions for and about black people in the inner city. You know what happens with integration? Less crime, and in a school district, a better education. Why? It is a fact that throughout the United States, African-American majority schools get less funding. The teachers aren't necessarily as good as in the higher-funded districts. And let's just talk about the supplies and the types of books and the information that is being given to provide that education. So let me ask you some questions, because this just made my head spin. Can you believe 
that this is still going on in 2016, 8886 Leslie. Does it bother you like it did me that 62 years after the Brown v. Board of Education ruling, we still have schools in this nation that are single race and still segregated? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Is integration a positive part of education? and socialization in your opinion i think it is do you agree with me or disagree with me why or why not is integration a positive part of education 8886 leslie and what about socialization 888-653-7543 now this takes place in mississippi and we've heard what almost 50 districts in mississippi have this problem still ongoing does this taking place in mississippi keep the negative labeling of the south alive like racist south right 8886 leslie 8886537543 in this particular case in your opinion what should be done and why leave it alone or integrate 8886 leslie 8886537543 is the number now shockingly many residents in cleveland mississippi disapprove of the decision to integrate their middle school and their high school how would you feel if your town was forced to do this very same thing, be honest with me. How would you feel if your town was forced to do this very same thing? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543 is the number. Vanita Gupta is the head of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. She said, quote, this victory creates new opportunities for the children of Cleveland to learn, play, and thrive together. Now, with racism still so potent in the South today, could this decision have the opposite effect to what Gupta said. You just heard people talking about, well, what's going on with race relation? In other words, is this a fire that's flames will be fanned? Or will this put, at least in the long term, this fire out? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Six decades after the Supreme Court and Brown v. Board of Education declared that separate but equal has no place in public schools. We still see segregation in school districts, many of which in Mississippi. Will this problem continue to persist in the future? It's already 2016. 8886-LESLIE, 8886-537543 is the number. And should the federal government step in to solve this issue more so? 8886-LESLIE, 8886-537543. The Cleveland, Mississippi School District said that this decision will disrupt proven successes occurring at all schools and ignore the interest of the community as a whole. Does it sound like this town would prefer to keep white with white and black with black? Keep the races separate, 8886-LESLIE. And do you think this is the mindset, not just of Cleveland, Mississippi, but of many cities and towns across America in this year of 2016? 8886-LESLIE, 8886-537543. And lastly, should Black Lives Matter head to Cleveland, Mississippi and move forward their cause of freedom and justice for all black lives? 8886-LESLIE. Back to you right after this. Don't go away. They're still trying to desegregate, integrate schools in the state of Mississippi, Cleveland, Mississippi. There is a case, and a court has said, you got, you've got to integrate. This is almost 60 years after the Brown versus Board of Education decision. Are you amazed in 2016 that in many places in this country, one, there are still segregated schools, 8886 Leslie, and two, 
people who like it that way still in 2016. Uh, have we overcome or have they overcome African-Americans? 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Let's go to Pat in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on line one, listening on KABQ. Pat, good afternoon. Hi. Um, in the early 80s, um, I lived in San Diego, and we had forced busing for integration. And my friend, the first year, her oldest son went to the uh, school that was being integrated. The second year, my my son begged to go. And it was an incredible experience for all of it. Okay, hold on, Pat. Hold on. I want to hear about that experience. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to you. If you're holding, hang on. If you want to join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Pick up the phone and join me back after this. Segregation, it's still alive and well in America. In the South, surprised, 888-6LESLIE. We're back talking about segregation. You might say, Leslie, it's 2016. There are schools that are still segregated, and there's a court that is ruling you need to integrate in Cleveland, Mississippi, and people in the community that are resisting, schools that are resisting, and yes, this is all happening in 2016. We're talking about it with you here on the Only True Democracy and Talk Radio, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Listening on KABQ on line one is Pat in Albuquerque. Pat was telling us about an experience she had where her son was part of integration, and you said it was a good experience, a learning experience, or a good learning experience. It was all of those, but the second year, my youngest son went, and I sent him down there. He didn't want to go, but he was born with a chip on his shoulder, and I clearly told him, you're going to learn that there are kids tougher than you that are going to knock that chip off your shoulder. (laughs) And the amazing thing is, and this was in the days when these kids want to have armed guards to get into the school, and... Chuck went down there, and instead of of being in fights, he learned very quickly to get along with other kids. And both of the boys have carried all of the lessons from that school into life. Um, my older son travels all over the world helping people. He has been very active in the Congo. My youngest son is married to a Latino girl, lady, and um, it was from that education that their world was opened up. And for me personally, the most um, emotional experience of my entire life was holding hands in that school on Martin Luther King Day, singing We Shall Overcome. And... In this day and age, we need to be looking at people as people, not as a color. And but, to, but Pat, let me ask you something. I agree with you. I agree with you. But, Pat, let me ask you something. Do we sometimes need to look at the color when we're looking at schools and the uh, demographics of that population of a school? I think that when you have pockets, of an area which are highly segregated, then you need to do whatever is needs to be done to bus kids to other schools, to 
to get that integration started because as long as they stay apart, there's no awareness of what goes on. These kids were bused um, into um, into the worst of the worst areas in San Diego, and that was as a parent really, really hard to do. Right. But it made us all better people, all three of us, and it impacted our lives not only in terms of how we looked at other people, but how we helped other people be accepting of other other nationalities or races or whatever we're going to have be politically correct at the moment. So, so integration is necessary for a more well-rounded individual in society, then, in your opinion? Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate the call. Well, let's continue with them. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Carol, give us a buzz back. I know your line dropped. 888-6LESLIE is the number. Let's go to Wayne on line three. Wayne, good afternoon. Hi, Leslie. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. I did want to start by making a disagreement with something that you said about the implication that there are better teachers at certain schools than others. You know, in most states, if not all, teachers have to go through the same licensure, education, and certification process. No, 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 and, no, no, no question, no question. But yeah. here in Los Angeles, I'm going to give you an example about Los Angeles, okay? Okay. All right. There are public schools in Beverly Hills. And they're above public schools in Compton, okay? And even okay. though they go through the same tests, who do you think and where do you think most would apply for a job? Well, uh, you know, you did mention demographics as being the big, you know, the elephant in the room where you can label some schools as better than others. To answer your question, of course, uh, Compton would not be at the top of the list for a newly certified or a veteran teacher, but there are only so many plum positions where you have to take a more common stock position, you know, and so I think we agree that, you know, it's we live in a time now where they are labeling schools and teachers as good or bad, depending on if the state has gone deeply into uh, a high-stakes test like the park test. There used to be uh, district benchmark tests, you know, and, and these it's tough because when you start treating the public schools with the same business model that you, you know, in the old days when you didn't apply the business model to the uh, health care system, I think most people could agree that the health care system was kinder, gentler, more affordable, and just plain old better. And now that we're applying a similar business model to public schools, we're seeing the stresses that come out of that. Well, I want to go back to health care because you've said a mouthful. Not true. Not true. Not true. Um, As a matter of fact, my husband, uh, I own a medical center with my husband. He's a surgeon. And, you know, it, it really just depends, quite frankly. Um, because of technology and research, we actually have a lot more things available to us today that we didn't years ago. With regard to affordability, well, there was a time where most people's employers picked up the tab 100% for our health insurance. And when the insurance companies kept increasing the rates and increasing the rates, and when the idea of working for one company you know, for 20 years and you had all your benefits and your family and a pension – you know, when that went bye-bye because, you know, profits became more important to corporations than people, 
um, then, you know, a lot of people had to pay for something that was not a part of their budget normally. And that would be well, sure. that would be an expense uh, to, to, to anyone. Um, so I don't, you know, the reason it was more affordable is because you weren't paying for it. So, you know, if you okay. have no, if you have a car, no car payment and now you get a new car with a car payment, well, of course it was more affordable before cause you didn't have to pay for it. Oh yeah. Well, here's my point about, uh, integration. Uh, I did want to address that specifically since that's your specific topic, the expense to districts, say the district of Albuquerque where I live, it's huge when you start uh, busing large segments of the population to different clusters. You know, the other issues that come up are that the kids that you do bus to, you know, more demographically advantageous schools, you give them more opportunity, but to the kids that have to stay back in their other clusters, they don't get the same uh, opportunity. You do lose neighborhood identity. You do create artificial groupings of people. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, okay? okay. When you have black and white integrated, let's just use that breakdown, okay? Okay. Or where you have people of color and, and, and people who are white integrated. There's not only learning, okay, but if, let's just say for sake of argument, Let's say the white kids' families make more money than the colored. Now, I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying the colored, people of color, okay? So people don't think, oh, my God, Leslie isn't the term colored. You know, people of color, whether Hispanic, Asian, Indian, Pakistani, African-American, list goes on, okay? No, I'm with so, you. All right. And let's just say for the sake of argument that the uh, middle to lower middle class families are minorities and the middle to upper middle class are not. And And – Quite frankly, statistically, that does bear to be true majority-wise in this country. It doesn't mean everybody who's a person of color um, is middle to lower. That, But the reality is the majority of people who are middle to upper middle class and the majority, more than the majority of the top 1% and 2% um, are whites. Okay, So if you have somebody who's had a, a different and, and better, more accurate uh, history book or maybe access to some skills mathematically – that, you know, maybe kids in the inner city or the uh, lower income suburb did not have. There are studies on this, and whether it's sports or it's academia, and I've seen this happen with my own children. My son, I'll give you an example. He sucks at math, just like his mother, okay? <laughs> and they had him in a group of other kids who suck at math. Well, guess what happened? They all just sucked at math. And it was actually my husband's idea when we met with the teacher. That was really academic. To, to, that was real academic. <laughs> very brilliant intellectualism here that I'm speaking. Um, and uh, then my husband suggested, why don't you put all of the kids who suck at math with the kids who <laughs> don't? And do you know what happened? My son went from a D minus to a C in six weeks. Do you know why? When you raise the bar, people normally will rise to the occasion and come up to that bar. All right. So I I don't uh, I don't agree with you. I understand that it may be hard if you go from a neighborhood where you're most comfortable to a neighborhood where you're not. Maybe even envy what you see if you're going if you're being bussed into the better neighborhood and vice versa. Maybe you'll appreciate more when you're bussed into the neighborhood where the people are not as uh, privileged. Okay. however, however. The integration is not just key to society because that's what we deal with when we walk out the doors of our educational system, but it, it opens us up to different cultures. It, it helps us to be more tolerant of each other, which I feel 
will correlate to a reduction in crime. It's it's harder to be prejudicial against a group of people when you're part. You feel a part of that group of people because you're their classmate, for example. Um, so well, I, I, I just I yeah. only see the po- I only see the positive side of it. Does are there sure. growing pains? Are there growing pains? Absolutely. You know what though? This was the same argument when back in the day. You know, the black family moved into the white neighborhood. This is the, this is the same argument, and we should be. God, we should be beyond that conversation, don't you think? Well, I, you know, as when Donald Trump speaks, I agree with half of everything you say uh, because you make good points. But then I, I think we do disagree on some of the finer details. But if there's one thing I can tell you with certainty, one thing that public schools have always done better is teaching to the middle than to the very high and the very low. Uh, you know, we have gotten away from that now because there are so many special programs. As you said, there are groupings at school for kids who are performing at different levels, et cetera, et cetera. And I do have to say that... No, 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 no. I'm going to tell you, right here, yesterday, in Los Angeles, we have the highest population of immigrants in this state because we have the biggest state, okay? Somebody may, you know, when I heard that demographic, I mean, the population numbers yesterday, I'm like, well, duh, that's pretty much common sense. But we also have the highest number of Spanish-speaking foreign-born children in our public school system in California, more than any other state in this country. And I say that because for for children who English is their second language and who are speaking a different language at home, and in the case of California, the the majority of that language would be Spanish, um, these children, some of them are having um, trouble learning um, with regard to reading or reading comprehension and some of the areas where language and English being the first language for other students gives those kids an upper hand. So there are special programs throughout LA Unified um, which have helped these kids stay on par with their classmates with reading comprehension and other areas with the English language and the use of words. Well, these, as of yesterday, let me finish, let me finish. As of oh, yesterday, yeah. all of those teachers were fired who teach those because wow. the funding has been cut so when you, when, you, when you speak of that, I don't agree, because if you have less money going into a certain school system, and if you have less tax dollars being paid in a lower-income area, those students are not getting the books the other kids are getting, they're not getting some of these programs the other kids are getting, or if they have those programs, as much as they need those programs, if somebody can't write the check for that teacher or teachers in those programs, that will get cut. I saw it happen yesterday right here in the county of Los Angeles. Well, uh, ESL is a proven good program. When, right, but this uh, isn't even an ESL. This isn't even ESL. These, okay. these, are, these are sort of like um, almost like reading labs for children where English is a second language, but the results are just phenomenal. The results are phenomenal. You can't argue with the results that they have, how successful this program was. And when they spoke to the superintendent of schools, it's sort of like they had a choice. Fire all the principals. <laughs> Or get rid of this program. And they need somebody to control the school because there are behavioral issues among almost every grade. we got to take a break. Good talking to you. Will you call me again? Of course. Thank you. Uh, okay, thank you. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. We are back. Let's go to Michael on the Bronx line, too. Michael, um, uh, talk to us about this issue, and can you believe this is happening in 2016? Well, yes and no. You know, the, th- the thing is that, Part of me is surprised that we still have an all-black school and an all-white school, but 
in a way, I am not surprised because even when you have integrated schools, there is still segregation and discrimination within the school building, even to this very day. And I can even um, explain from my own personal experiences going to grammar school. I graduated in 1981. The thing is, is that you had certain teachers that have absolute racial bias that set down a ground rule in the classroom saying no hitting. If someone hits you, you report it to the teacher, and the teacher will take action. So I was a victim of that, and then when I reported to the teacher, the teacher said, well, you must have brought it on yourself. And then if I turn around to defend myself, all of a sudden I'm sent to the principal's office, and again, for the record, I am a black man, you know, a black boy, and I was in pretty much an all um, white classroom, you know, the students were all white. But the thing is, is that the teachers, some of the teachers set the tone for how these kids ought to behave instead of setting the tone for res mutual respect. And even in, um, in the upper classes where we were changing um, classes, we have four groups, number one being the brightest and the fourth one being um, not so much of a fast learner. They initially placed me for all subjects in group four. They saw that I was bright, and they moved me up to group three. And they still saw I was bright, but they had a problem moving me up to group two or maybe to group one. And group one and group two, they were all white. Group three and four were probably mixed, you know, white and black. But you never saw a person of color um, elevating to higher standards. They were kept from being elevated to higher standards. And then now to this day, we have a situation here in which two kids, two teenagers, I should say, one a, a white girl and a black um, boy, both of them teens, the white girl slightly older than the black guy. They were sexting one another. That's texting. Well, you know what sexting is. Yeah, sexual Ironically, texting. Okay. Okay. Ironically, she's the one that started. He responded, and the two of them were having a mutual conversation, but he is facing criminal charges of child porn and contributing to the delinquency of a juvenile. How the hell is it that he and he alone is facing criminal charges and not the female who started the whole thing and he and she's uh, older than the boy? I think we know what the answer is, the racial discrimination once again. All right. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate your input. Uh, let's take another call and we go uh, next to... Uh, let's go next to Lee. Lee is on line one. Lee, good afternoon. Your take? Hi, good afternoon. Um, I wanted to respond to the gentleman that called from Albuquerque. Yeah. I think he has it 100% incorrect. I'm a mother of five, and I have been through the largest public the system in the state is Albuquerque Public Schools. My oldest has a developmental disability, so he needed that kind of help. My fourth child is was gifted. She was in an all-day gifted program. I don't know what he's talking about, busing. That, that's not existent in Albuquerque. For example, if you want your child to go to a school outside of your cluster, you have to apply for a transfer, and then you are responsible for the transportation. And if you have a child with special needs, whether they're gifted or whether they're, they have developmental disabilities, I think it's incumbent upon the parents to learn the system, and that's exactly what I had to do. And it was even surprising to me that I had to do it 
more. I had to advocate more for my child who was gifted. But, I mean, I have two other children who went through charter school system, which was free, which, you know, there was no bus, but so the parents, they're responsible. But, you know, he, he failed to mention that, for example, in New Mexico, they have something called dual credit. So my, co my college senior, while she was in high school, she graduated with 30-some credit hours of college. Because Toward college, yeah. And she got it for free. She didn't have to pay for a textbook. Right, she didn't right. Have to pay for tuition. Good I point. mean, so I think it's incumbent upon parents. So I don't know what he's talking about busing, and I can't even understand if he lives in Albuquerque how he could even form the words to say Donald Trump. I mean, there's way too many Hispanics, Native Americans, and every other culture here that he that I don't even I can't even imagine Trump coming to my state. Okay. But I'm saying, I think he has Albuquerque, because this is the largest school system, he has it totally wrong. I think it's incumbent upon parents. I mean, yes, you're going to come across people who don't want to give you your rights or don't want to do their job. But then it's, I mean, there's organizations here, one called Parents Reaching Out. Right. We are, are we, we are out of time. I'm out of time, Lee, and I'm so interested in what you're saying. Call me another day, please. You're awesome. And I agree okay, with you. you. I agree with you 100%. I'm glad your kids got that opportunity educationally. Only helps all of us, right? You know, what do they say if you... Keep a kid in school, keep him out of prison, right? Seriously, it's reality. I'm Leslie Marshall. Mark and Andrew, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow on Hump Day. Hope you will as well.